0: When I was asked to speak this Sunday on the 7th of January, I knew immediately what my verse, what my text would be, and I'd like to read together now just the first five verses of Revelation chapter 21. So if you have your Bibles or if you'd like to look at the screen, uh, then that's fine. Revelation 21, beginning at verse 1. The Apostle John, writing from Patmos, says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Let's just bow our heads for a moment in prayer. Our gracious God and Father, we bow before you, seated on your throne in all of your majesty, And yet you look down upon those whom you have made in your image, whom you love and who are precious to you, so precious that you sent your one and only Son to live amongst them and to die on the cross for them. That you might have been in your Son reconciling the world to yourself, redeeming for yourself a people from every nation and tribe and tongue on earth, whom one day you would bring into your holy presence, into your amazing heaven to live with you where you would be their God and they would be your people. We come to you this morning, our God is your people, standing on the threshold of a new year, and Father, we look to you with great anticipation for all that this year may hold for us, whether for good or whether for ill, we say we trust you and we love you because you are God and you are good. Speak to us now through your word, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Do you know, one of the things I like about Christmas presents is their newness picture the scene. You open the box, you take out the plastic-wrapped gift, and you peel back the thin plastic film off the surface of the glass of your new iPad. No, I didn't get an iPad for Christmas. But you know, it's new. It's shiny. It's untouched. There's no fingerprints on it. There's certainly no scratches anywhere near it. No one's had it before you. And, you know, I think there's something of that in what Jesus said, meant when he said to the Apostle Paul, said to the Apostle John in his revelation, I make everything new. What does he mean by everything? Well, I I guess the clue is in the word. But the context also gives us a clue. Because up to this point in the book of Revelation, and fair enough, we haven't read it, But we've been reminded of the devastating effect of sin and the reign of Satan on earth. The world is on the verge of destruction. And those opposed to God and his purposes have been thrown into the lake of fire, the lake of burning sulfur, as has been death, Hades, and Satan himself. You know, in musical terms, the score has risen to a great crescendo and as world events peak under the awesome, withering power of God's wrath. And after the destruction, after the great judgment, after the dust settles, the musical score takes on a quieter, softer tone and moves into the major key, if you like, as we come into the opening words of chapter 21. And as this chapter opens to to us, up to this point, all the evil in the world has been consigned to the lake of burning sulfur, the second death. And with the opening words of this chapter, we see something new. The opening sentence of chapter 21 indicates the arrival of a completely new cosmos for the redeemed of God to enjoy. I think it's a little bit more than an upscaling world. It's a brand new world. But Paul, that was a brilliant talk. Uh, Thanks very much. So much to think about there. A new heaven and a new earth. And I want you to remember the picture in your mind of your new gift in all of its newness. And then think of the new heaven and the new earth. Do you know, let me just remind you of some pictures of the old heaven and the old earth. That's Strathclyde Park. That's Largs. You know, and if you think some of these pictures are beautiful, how much more beautiful is this new world, this new heaven, and this new earth going to be? The other day I was speaking to a man who was sitting at the deathbed of an elderly parent. And the parents suddenly sat up and raised their arms and looked intently upwards, as if looking right into heaven itself. And the sun asked, What's it like? Back came the one word answer beautiful. And if we think of the most beautiful sunset down here, if you think that's beautiful, think for a moment of the God who is making everything new. He's not just fixing something that's broken, He's making it new. It's going to be shiny, clean, no pollution, no fingerprints. It's going to be beautiful. The biblical Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection of the body. At least that's how I was taught to remember the Sadducees. They believed that the body was inherently evil and that after death it merely decayed, never to be seen again. Well, there's an element of truth to that. Because we're told that our bodies were made from the dust of the ground. And when we die they, to dust, they will return. Genesis 3:19 and various other passages in the Old Testament. However, we're also told that our bodies will be raised from the dead as incorruptible bodies. Like Jesus' resurrection body. He died physically and was laid in the tomb. But he was raised physically and spiritually with a glorified body. Writing to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 to 49. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. And as is the man from heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have been born, just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. What a lovely thought. What a lovely truth. What a lovely promise for us to bear in mind. So our bodies are raised imperishable. They can't die. They won't rot. They won't grow old. They won't become infected. They will be glorious like the body of Jesus Christ. You know, this truth about God making everything new should greatly encourage us when we consider our bodies. For they will be made new as well. Maybe those of you under 35 might not fully grasp what I'm saying, as young folk tend to live as if they were invincible, immortal. But once you start to get towards and beyond middle age, you realize that the joints aren't quite as supple, and the muscles aren't quite as resilient. And with the onset of old age, I'm told, (laughs) what were simple tasks like climbing stairs can present a major challenge. My mother used to say, don't get old. Age doesn't come itself. As a young woman, she was very active, playing sport and cycling around Europe with a university friend one summer yet over the years, her smooth skin skin began to lose its elasticity, and wrinkles became more pronounced. Looking at her, it's hard to imagine that she once looked more like this. (laughs) So the promise of this text is that one day the Lord is going to give us more than a cosmic makeover, more than an upscaling. He's going to completely renew us. For the Bible tells us that if we belong to Jesus Christ, our bodies will be like his glorious body. It's going to be truly awesome and out of this world, far and above our thoughts and our aspirations. So for those of you this morning, perhaps for some of you watching on the live stream, for those who are struggling with ill health, I want you to be encouraged. If only it will only be for a while, and if we are called to bear a heavy burden, then by God's grace, He will give us the strength to bear it when we need to. Do you know this Christmas brought the usual round of the usual clutch of round robin letters from friends and family, updating us on their recent activities of the year past. One such letter came from my eldest brother in Seattle, who included a family picture of himself, his wife, their three daughters, spouses, and six grandchildren. In the letter, Jim bemoaned the fact that he wasn't able to make his usual hikes. He loves hiking and sometimes goes for days with his cousin David in Canada. His complaint was about his right ankle and his leg, with the result that he hasn't done any real backpacking, he said, for about three years. You know, when we reflect on our youth, we remember the things we used to get up to, the activities we engaged in. But when we... What was I going to say here? Sorry, but which which we no longer have the physical or mental energy for when we get that bit older. And we pause at that time to relive the past and maybe flick through some old photographs. Oh, yes, I used to do that. How on earth did I manage that? For others, sadly, illness has robbed them of almost all physical activity, to such a degree that the norms of daily life, like showering and getting dressed and eating breakfast, is only possible with the help of dedicated carers. You know, as I reflect on this pessimism, I'm reminded that sin has robbed us of the glory of life, or wants to rob us of the glory of life, for we all face death. Some are traveling that road more rapidly than others, and unbelievers hold up their hands in despair. For what real hope do they have without Christ? So they live for today, pleasing themselves as they engage in all manner of exciting pursuits. As Christians, we live to please Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in his first letter to the Corinthian believers, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most To be pitied. This verse comes in the middle of a discourse that Paul gives about the resurrection of the dead, answering questions such as who will be raised? How will they be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? And ends on a note of victory as he reflects on the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. His urgent plea and encouragement in the last verse, verse 54, is this When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with the immortality. Then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. We have the hope of victory. I'm mortal. But one day I'm going to be immortal. I'm perishable. But one day, by God's grace, I'm going to be imperishable. Before I leave this aspect of my theme, I want to share with you something that I find personally very comforting, thrilling, and inspiring. Margaret and I have been hugely privileged to travel to many interesting and challenging places, and we love traveling. It's an education all of its own. But there are so many interesting and exciting places that we will never visit, because time and money don't permit. And as the years pass, we'll come to the point where energy and mobility won't permit either. But then I'm reminded of two significant truths that give me hope. First of all, you've guessed it, God is making everything new. So I'll have a glorified body that will never grow old, become weary, wear out. Nothing will cause me tears of pain or sorrow. On the contrary, I will be able to enjoy serving God in amazing ways as I enjoy exploring the new heaven and the new earth he will have created. And as I do so, I will be praising and worshipping him for his amazing creation and thanking him for his amazing grace as I worship him in amazing new ways. And secondly, that I'll have all eternity to do this. I'll have all the time I want to explore, visit, create, and fellowship with God's people. I'll never have to worry about not being able to fit everything into this one visit or miss seeing someone and live in the sad thought that I may not see them again before they die. For the mortal will have put on immortality and the perishable will have become imperishable. Shouldn't we get excited about this as we move into the unknown of the new year? as we face all of its uncertainties and insecurities, we can know for sure that he who knows and holds the future is looking after our future. And whatever we face, we are not alone, for he walks with us along life's journey. And at the end of the road, he will be there to take us through the transit lounge, if you like, into our new life in his presence where he has prepared a place for us. And it will be brand new. No cracks, no blemishes, no malfunctioning parts made just for us. As I draw this message to a close, I want to share one more thought with you on this theme, I am making everything new. My thought process is triggered by the fact that this time next Sunday, Margaret and I will be worshipping in a very different environment. For God willing, we will be fellowshipping with the nursing students at Holly Memorial Hospital in Kogi State, Nigeria, where we anticipate the temperature to be 32 degrees plus. I feel for you guys. (laughs) This will be my fourth visit to Nigeria and Margaret's third. On my first visit in 2012, I was introduced To Joseph, who showed me this painting done by a local artist. And the artist tried to convey his desire to see his broken country put back together. You can flick it on. It depicts the map of Nigeria broken by violence and tribal hatred. Just leave the picture, please. You're rising from the ashes of this violent uprising. A new ministry called Brick was born building relationship in city center. And it believed that that with effort and mutual understanding, and by God's grace, the tribes could put their country back together again. Looking at the picture, it seems that the country was, in the mind of the artist, about to fall apart completely and has been caught in the nick of time by those determined to do something about it. As I look at this painting, I reflect on the fact that a country is made up of its people. They are the nation. So the country, in fact, is always there. It never changes. But the people who make up that country are the ones who have lost their unifying energy and started to attack each other. This leads only to self-destruction and implosion. And this is exactly what parts of Nigeria have experienced over the past couple of decades. Some of this has been fueled by intertribal hatred, others by emergent Islamic fundamentalism and extremism. Either way, the result has been the destruction of thousands of lives and the devastation of countless others. In many ways, these people are just like you and me. But unlike you and me, they haven't learned to place their trust in the one who is making everything new. The Apostle Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and this verse has been shared this morning already. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I want to ask you this morning, are you in Christ? Have you trusted Jesus to deal with your sin? Have you placed your confidence in him alone? As you come before the awesome God, God in all of his holiness and beauty and majesty and power and love and grace has his arms open for you. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is today standing before us, inviting us once again to come to the Father. The newness that our text speaks about isn't confined solely to what the future will hold, but finds expression in what can be here and now, today. Jesus Christ is making everything new, and he's starting with you and me. He has given us his son who died in our place, for as Peter put it in 1 Peter 2 verse 4, he himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. In his death, he made us new by dealing with our sin problem so that we might live for him in righteousness. We're called to live godly lives, and we're empowered to live that life by his Spirit, whom he gave us when we believed and were saved. Let me end with a quote from the Reverend Dr. Jim Purvis. Mission and Ministry Advisor of the Baptist Union of Scotland, which I came across in an email from Elliot a couple of days ago. Jim takes this same text from Revelation twenty-one five, and heads his comment, "A new year brings new opportunity." Disintegration and dissolution is the experience of many a nation through it, throughout its history. It often punctuates periods of political and economic crisis or decline. It is what many feel we are witnessing within our own country in this present period of transition. Transition into what? We are unsure and uncertain. Which is why for us a period of great opportunity. Which is why for us this is a great period of great opportunity. We can bring the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people of Scotland in a renewed and profound way. Because of Jesus Christ. There was an opportunity to minister wholeness, healing, and certainty. How do we do this? First, we can each seek to maintain a vibrant and deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is alive, and the Holy Spirit is a powerful presence. When each of us carries this in our hearts and manifests it in our lives, it will make a difference. Second, we can convey grace in conversation. God does not change. The Bible does not change. God's truth does not change. As disciples of Jesus, we know we have been freed from sin into liberty. Liberty to pursue the pleasure and purpose of our Heavenly Father. Each of us can speak of the love and purpose of God towards everyone. And thirdly, we can model community. Church has to be far more than a Sunday drive through Healthy community righteous relationships expressing forgiveness and reconciliation, compassion and care shown in the way we relate together and and towards others. We need to keep working at this to make it true of our local church. Christian witness in times of confusion brings hope to people. Let us go into 2018 with a commitment to to bearing hope and to sharing the good news of God's love and care, ministered through our participation in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The one who said, I am making everything new. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you that you are in the process of making everything new. Come to us, Lord, we pray in our individual needs. Come into those broken hearts and burdened minds. Come into those damaged relationships and ruined homes. And breathe your power of your spirit and make everything new to your praise and to your honor and to your glory. As we look with anticipation one day to expressing our love to you face to face, hear us for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.